Welcome to September Sisters. I'm Abby, the older sister. And I'm Hannah, the younger sister. This is the podcast where two sisters, who also happen to be friends, chat about books, life, and childhood. Thanks for joining us. you weren't paying attention during our intro yes um, we are back to talk about death in the air yes death podcast number two you know it's a very rainy beautiful afternoon we are day. not doing this <laughs> we just feel like we need to set the tone so y'all know yeah overcast where we are <laughs> although i have to say the sun is currently shining through my window yeah it's not over here it's a nice you know it's the perfect day to be sitting and doing a podcast oh my gosh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know perfect atmosphere for a, uh, a murder mystery i wish i had a cup of tea instead i have iced coffee oh my gosh i do too why <laughs> what are the odds? You know, that's really funny because, I mean, I'm sure our listeners would figure this out, but we talk to each other before we dive right into the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so we've been sitting here for a little bit talking and never once did we take a sip of our drinks. And <laughs> But now like we're going to do that while we're recording and it's just going to be ice and slurping the whole podcast. <laughs> Such pleasant audio. Yeah. Oh, I want to make people feel like they're really here with us. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole goal. We did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. For you, oh, our listeners. Excellent plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I just want to say, spoiler alert. Okay. If you are not reading along with us and you plan on reading this book, you mm -hmm. should probably read the book and then listen to this because yes. I am not going to be able to talk about this in a spoiler free manner. So, well, I think that's a good, I think that's a good point. And I think we should recap, um, you know, hopefully you've listened to episode one where we picked our book and we just read the first nine chapters. So today we are going to be discussing death in the clouds by Agatha Christie, also known as death in the yes. air. Thank you. And we are just going to be discussing the nine chapters so if you want to join along pause read the first nine chapters <laughs> <laughs> or if you already have then yes this is not spoiler free we were going to be talking about everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> how well and never mind um <laughs> so i i know that i've read this book and there's parts of it as i was reading that were definitely familiar at the same time, it is completely different than I remember it being. Yeah. Because okay. in my recollection, they never left the plane. Like, I oh, when they okay. when they when they found the body. Spoiler alert: they find a body, um, and they're like five minutes away from Croydon. I was like, wait a second, I thought I thought this was a much longer flight. And then they land and disembark, and I'm like, wait a second. So yeah. right off the bat totally different than I remembered. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you should say that because when we discussed it last week, um, talking about this book and you were like, yeah, it's, it takes place all in one area. They're all stuck. And we're you know, talking about the, that plot device. 
and then <laughs> reading it and I'm like wait yeah so just you know <laughs> I'll own up to that faulty memory because I was thinking about that I was like oh crap I definitely did not describe this accurately but that is genuinely how I remembered this book going down so that was yeah. a shock to my system that is very very funny yeah I, well I was I was surprised too and but see now I'm curious because I'm having this reaction of like wait okay they let the murderer off a plane mm -hmm. out to wherever like I mean yes they have all these people's names but there's no there's no like okay don't leave town right <laughs> right <laughs> are, are they all being tailed by an individual policeman? Like, are they just, just, just like, okay, out. well, we hope you don't murder anybody else. I know. Um, I know. So, and I'd be worried as another passenger on the plane. Oh, right. If the murder is going to come after me because they think I saw something. Right. Um, so quick recap for those who maybe oh, that's a have idea. not read and then because like I listen to podcasts all the time that talk about stuff that I have no intention of sure. watching or reading. I just want to yeah. know about it. Um, so we open on an airplane. It's called the Prometheus. The action takes place primarily in the, um, well, all in the rear car of the airplane. And so we kind of set the scene through the eyes of a character named Jane Gray. She's the one who's, um, getting to her seat kind of towards the end of the plane um, boarding. And so we kind of see some of the characters through her perspective. First of all, um, we kind of go through um, the characters getting their lunch and being served coffee. There's an incident with a wasp flying around. Mm -hmm. And then um, the body of Madame Giselle, who we are told is her name, um, is discovered right before they land in England. So they are flying from France to England. Mm -hmm. um, so they at first think that maybe she was just stung by the wasp and died of like a heart attack from a, an allergic reaction. Um, and then Hercule Poirot, who is our chief detective, um, who has been sleeping because he gets airsick, yeah. um, which is one of the hallmarks of his character. Like it doesn't matter how they're traveling, he does not handle it well. Um, okay. He gets boat sick. He gets air sick. He's just not a good, not a good traveler. Gotcha. So okay. he finds a little barb that kind of looks like a wasp on the floor and picks it up, and it's the the tip of a poison arrow. So then they realize, oh, maybe she didn't die of a heart attack. Maybe she was murdered. <laughs> so dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. so the front they realize that nobody from the front carriage came into the rear car so everyone in the front is let go and then the passengers in the rear of the airplane have to stay in the airport hangar and be um, questioned by the police yep. uh, then there's an inquest where um, everybody kind of gives their account and is um, you know questioned on the stand and the jury is asked to give a verdict and right before they're dismissed this is hilarious right before yeah. they're they're dismissed to um, give their verdict there was a blow dart pipe found on the airplane and it was not specified where it was found but the jury asks you know whose seat was it found in and they're informed that it was um uh found 
shoved down behind Hercule Poirot's seat. And then they clarify who was it that picked up the poison dart. And they're told again, it was Hercule Poirot. So then when they come out to deliver their verdict, they hand a piece of paper to the judge and he's like, no, you can't, no, go, go back and deliver it again. So then they leave and then they come back and then they um, deliver the verdict, you know, murder by person or persons unknown. Um, but it's very clear that they had initially intended to um, accuse Hercule Poirot of the murder right. of the woman. Well, and I, there's a little fact earlier that I'm wondering if it plays into um, the murder is uh, Hercule Poirot gets asked to switch seats with one of the ladies. Yes. And he's the the one that described with like a horsey face. Yes, which is a hallmark of Agatha Christie's writing. Like there's always a woman with a horse face in all of her books. Her name is Venetia Kerr. Yeah. So she asks him to switch seats with her. Mm-hmm. So I'm personally convinced that that's important, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we mm-hmm. will see if it has anything to do with anything, but I, I'm very curious if that is a pertinent fact. Yep. Um, and that's kind of the main action. There's definitely, there's some establishment of some relationships, um, whether characters do or do not know each other. Um, and then there's some more information kind of revealed about the sort of our main players, but the only other really active thing that happens is Hercule Poirot and a French inspector go to Paris to visit the office of the murdered woman. Yes, um, that's right. So details we find out about her. Um, her the oh, name- can I make a quick note? Yeah. So... It's sort of, it is kind of like in, you know, we're, we're kind of recapping. Um, but what I found interesting is that Hercule is so well known that, like you said earlier, the judge is like, no, it couldn't possibly be him. Mm-hmm. And it was too quick to tell anyway. But then also, he's so well known. They let him leave the country to oh, go yeah. investigate, even well, though he's saying, like, because he says, he's like, don't count me. You need to take in all the facts. Like I was yeah. there. Like I'm a suspect, and yet they let him. Like <laughs> right. Well, because clearly he didn't do it. Um, no. <laughs> but so the murdered woman. Uh, the name on her passport is Marie Angelique Morisot, um, and she is better known as well. Perhaps not better, but she's more more famously known as Madame Giselle. She is a famous money lender from Paris. <laughs> Um, so that's kind of the, the brief recap of the general action. So I thought maybe we could like go through the list of suspects and just kind of talk about each of them and what our thoughts are and kind of what the book reveals about their characters thus far. Oh, sure. So I could have saved my little note for this. You could have. (laughs) What happens from not discussing things. Okay. Okay. So on the plane... Um, we are told that there are 21 passengers. Um, 10 are in the forward car, 11 are in the rear. And oh, okay, so this is one thing that I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. There is a passenger from the forward car who oh. comes into the rear car. Now, oh, she leaves before lunch is served and before the coffee is served, so she's never really directly impacting. But <gasps> it is the maid of lady cicely horbury her french maid madeline 
brings her her little red dressing case so she is can that the horse faced woman no oh, no so okay. let's start since i've mentioned her already let's start with um Cicely Horbury. So she is described as a bit of a tart, I believe, un- unkindly by someone. <laughs> she um, is definitely looked upon with disdain by our sort of first perspective giver, Jane. Um, she like wears too much makeup and it's one of those where she's married into nobility, but she's not noble herself. And we also find out very quickly that she is addicted to coca- cocaine. Oh yeah, that's right. so <laughs> it's good to know, I guess. Um, so they mentioned a couple times. They do. Well, I mean, she oh, so that was what I was gonna say earlier is one of the devices that I really like in the first chapter is we get these little like thought bubbles. Like oh. Jane is the one who is looking around at first, mm-hmm. but then it it sort of popcorns to everyone else's thoughts. So we're told, so we get the thoughts of Cicely as she's sitting there thinking, why did I get into, why did I ever get into Coke? Um, Because she's going through withdrawal a little bit while she's on the plane, Um, which I think is why she actually got her case from her maid because Jane sees her like powdering her nose and putting on more lipstick. But later on, when we get a list of what was in everybody's luggage, she had cocaine in that case. So I think she made a little top off. Um, So she is um, sort of a rival per se of the woman sitting uh, in front of her, who, as you mentioned, asks Poirot to switch seats with her. Her name is- The horse face woman. The horse face woman. That is in my notes, horse face. Um, she's That's a country, what we refer her as. Yeah, she's well. It's easier to remember than Venetia Kerr. Um, although it's K E R R, which I'm pretty sure the British pronunciation of that is Carr. Okay, because you know that actress Deborah Kerr, who was in or Carr, who was oh. in The King and I. Oh yeah, and then in um oh it's in Sleepless in Seattle where yeah. um. That Tom Hanks and his sister and her husband are talking about an affair to remember. Oh, yeah, and goes, yeah. Deborah Kerr, Carr, is it Kerr, is it Carr? Oh, and then my the two guys. <laughs> so now every time I see that name, I'm like, I don't know how you pronounce this. We should have looked that up. <laughs> the, this is September Sisters, the podcast with no research. We see we do the research after. Actually, I have a report back from our first one. I'll get oh, to it okay. later. Well, yeah. so we've already established that there are more than one location in the book. <laughs> so that's we're just gonna we should start each episode with like um re- redactions or like corrections. Oh my gosh, we previous. should. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna make a note. Let's listen. Everybody knows anybody who everyone who knows us and anybody who is coming to know us mm-hmm. will quickly learn that we make stuff up as we go along. And obviously this is our, this is our second podcast. So it's going to be what it's going to be. And, and honestly, in retrospect, yes, the things that we planned out really <laughs> carefully are some of our least successful projects. No, it's very <laughs> true. It's very <laughs> Let's not, wait, wait, wait. Okay, listen. Oh, Let's no. not digress yet. We'll digress later. Oh, girl, we could not stay on topic if we tried. <laughs> Who are you trying to get? Okay, back to the suspects. 
So we find out through Venetia Horseface's thought bubble that she wishes she were married to Cecily's husband, Stephen. Um, oh, yes. And, and thinks that he ought to be free of his wife. I feel like we should just make a quick note that we both took notes, but Hannah took pages of notes and I took about three notes. So this segment is going to be mostly Hannah talking and me going, oh yeah, that's right. Good point. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say something and I won't. Um, Okay. Then we have Norman Gale, who is the handsome dentist who I made a note when he first, um, so when Jane sits down across from him, um, uh, it says he was wearing a rather bright periwinkle blue pullover. Above the pullover, Jane was determined not to look. If she did, she might catch his eye, and that would never do. So immediately, I am team Norman and Jane. I yes. want them um, to get married and live happily ever after. Same. Um, which, of course, makes me think that one of them has to be Same. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, so that is one of the relationships that further develops within the first nine chapters is, um, you find out that they met at the casino where they were staying in France and that yeah. he most likely, uh, gave her his winnings because they were playing roulette and they both put their chips down at the same time. And she was, she thought she put hers down on six and then the number was called and it was five. And she was so disappointed because she almost put it down on five. And then this man was like, don't forget to take your winnings. She's like, oh no, I, I put it down on six. And it's like, no, no, you put it down on five. And so she's confused. She's like, it's so cute. And so she's like, oh, well maybe thinking in her head, like, oh, maybe I did put it down on five, I guess. And I'm thinking, oh, well maybe, maybe he just said that to try, you know, like a, like a pickup line, but then he just walks away. And so then she's like, oh no, he's too nice of a man to have done that. Right. You know, which of course. It's so awkward on the plane. Yes, because they just refuse to make eye contact, but they're both like staring at each other. Yeah. Um, but so after the inquest, they kind of strike up a conversation and he asks her very awkwardly to tea. And so then it's they go and have tea. And so he decides that he, in another thought, bubble i'm just gonna keep calling them pop bubbles okay um uh he just decides that he's gonna marry her and he needs to find excuses to keep um interacting with her yeah um which to me is just a recipe for a doomed romance although i will say i don't know i don't know does have she does often have like a romantic subplot which is usually my favorite part um so not everything ends tragically but there's certainly plenty of times where Hercule Poirot has to very gently break it to someone that the person they're in love with is in fact a murderer oh Um, no so I'm just I don't remember who did it and I'm sorry if you had to pick whether it was him or her who which one because I'm thinking it's her if I just had to pick between the two of them and you know why because she is the first one to narrate anything. That's interesting. Uh, see, I, I think it would be him. Okay. Because he has that thing where he's looking at her and, um, um, hold on. I'm trying to find the, Mm -hmm. the page. 
Uh, Norman Gale thought, I wonder what makes her blush like that. She's wonderful. I'm going to marry her. Yes, I am, but it's no good looking too far ahead. I've got to have some good excuse for seeing her often. This murder business will do as well as anything else. Um, so I don't know. There's something about that that just uh, makes yeah. me feel like it would make sense if he was, you know, trying to plan this life with her, and but he knows it's risky because he might get caught for being, right. you know, the killer. Interesting. So I don't know. Um, I'm also trying not to get too far ahead of myself because there's part of me that's good at solving puzzles and good at picking up clues. And then there's part of me that remembers having read this book before. So I'm like trying not to draw too many conclusions based on what I might be sort of remembering from what happens later on in the book, you know? Yeah. Um, And I'm just, I'm just hopeless with that kind of stuff. Like I, I often put myself in the shoe, like the detective thinking like, I would never know. I never yeah. figure it out. <laughs> Sitting there, like I don't know. I don't know. Like they go through um well, so Poirot and then the French inspector. Fournier. The English inspector. Jap. And the lawyer. Lawyer? Oh, maybe that's Fournier. Yeah. So anyway, so the four of them are having they're like talking about all the suspects and they say like the probability. And what else did they, let me find it. Um, Oh yeah. Probability and possibility. So like they go through like, Oh yeah. Possible in their seat for them to have blown a dart. Sure. Also a side note, I was envisioning (laughs) like the, (laughs) the pole to blow a dart. I was envisioning it like probably a good, like, one to two inch diameter like a giant like, oh yeah and then they talk about like that there's like these little holes and like venting in the window and you could like oh know, yeah have shot the pipe out there like out the window and it would have landed where it's like oh you know that makes more sense it'd be like really tiny you know to, to blow the little dart out um i think it's sometimes funny like, you initially picture in your head yeah and then, like, more information. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no. So, Maître Thibault is the lawyer. Fournier yeah. is the French inspector. Yeah. So, talking days. about probability versus possibility. Yeah. And I, just, I thought that was very interesting. I find most things <laughs> some, – sometimes I find things interesting just because I, I wouldn't have thought about it in that way or, like, framed it that way. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're like very logically like sitting down thinking through it um, was very interesting to me. But it's also kind of funny because they're like, well, doesn't really it doesn't really help them in some ways. Sure, like the fact that Poirot like wants a detailed list of everything that everybody had in their luggage, and Inspector Jack is like, well, I don't know why you would want that, right. but okay. Um, so quickly going through our other suspects quote unquote Mm -hmm. we have dr bryant who's an ear and throat specialist in harley street he plays the flute which (gasps) is suspicious yes polishing his flute on the plane is like that could be a modified blow dart that's what i was thinking but then he never comes up again like he's not really a, a focus of interest in this section so i'm like that could be red herring or it could just be that they're trying to make you forget about him um, mm-hmm. Then we have the father and son archaeologists, Armand and Jean Dupont, um, yeah. who are busy arguing about the dates of artifacts and things. They also 
which is interesting, even though there's not a ton of attention drawn to it as of yet, within their luggage, um, uh, in Armand Dupont's attache case, he has ornamented hollow tubes said to be Kurdish pipe stems. Oh, so anything, you know, that's hollow and tuby, I'm like, mm, right. Um, then we have Mr. Clancy, <laughs> the detective. Oh, yes. Sorry. Who, you know, I love how she kind of pokes fun at herself as a mystery writer. Yes, but I also loved, I like wrote down a couple places where there was like quotes <laughs> or like passages that I thought oh, were really yeah, yeah. fun. So when he is in the inquest, he like is on the stand and he says, yes, like, okay. Please, yes, sir, said Mr. Clancy shrilly. I did purchase a blowpipe, and what is more, I have brought it with me today. I protest strongly against the inference that the blowpipe with which the crime was committed was my blowpipe. Here is my blowpipe. And he produced the blowpipe with a triumphant flourish. And then, this is great, the coroner dealt severely with Mr. Clancy. He was told that he was here to assist justice, not to rebut totally imaginary charges against himself. <laughs> do you have the quote where she's like like talking about mystery writers where they're like making fun of mystery writers who are oh. like too seeped in um when they're like all talking at poirot's house yes and they're basically like oh it's so funny um this is the stuff i'll i'll make note of in the next um mm-hmm. chapter <laughs> theoretically um, I know, because otherwise we're just going to be sitting here flipping through. Pages. <laughs> it's, you know, it's very, um, it's very soothing. Listen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that picks up on the audio. I, well, anyways, we're, you can keep While we're before. looking for it, essentially, it's basically like, you know, making fun of mystery writers who spend all of their time concocting plots and yeah. inventing ways that people die and get away with murder and, um, and then, of course, when they have the list of all the things that he has in his case, mm-hmm. there's the clippings of recent murders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, even when they're all getting um, uh, interrogated in the airplane hangar, like, mm-hmm. Inspector Jap is so, like, mean to um, to Clancy and just, like, <laughs> deals very severely with him and he just gets more and more nervous. And, mm-hmm. then, um, uh, and then when he leaves... Um, Jap says, um, looks a bit fishy to me. He actually had a blowpipe and look at his manner all to pieces. And Poirot is like, that is the severity of your official demeanor. My good Jap. Uh, there's nothing for anyone to be afraid of. If they're only telling the truth, said the Scotland Yard man austerely. Poirot looked at him pityingly. In verity, I believe that you yourself honestly believe that. Of course I do. It's true. (laughs) He's like making this poor guy so nervous. Yeah. Um, So, so he's one to sort of keep an eye on because it's that whole, you know, methinks the lady doth protest too much. Like he's very determined to assert his innocence. Um, Then we have Mr. Ryder, who's a businessman and his possessions are, um, include a letter from a business partner um, just hoping that he's secured the loan he went to France to secure red flag, red flag, red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, And that if he didn't get the loan, then they're up a Creek. Um, Mm -hmm. And he spent the whole flight sort of shuffling through papers and doing math. And so clearly there's money troubles because 
Um, now that we've gotten through the suspects, back to our murder victim. Yes, she was a moneylender, but it is also known that she was a bit of a blackmailer. And that the yes. way that she ensured she got paid back was to maintain secret information about her um, clients. Um, yeah. So that was one of the things that they're trying to figure out is who could potentially have had financial circumstances that would have necessitated seeking a loan from this woman because they really can't find any connection between any of the people on the plane or, and Madame Chazelle. Um, So they're a little bit lost as to where to start with motives. So they're trying to figure out like who, so now they know that um, Cicely has a cocaine habit. Um, uh, Mr. Ryder is in financial trouble Mm. and that's really all that they oh and that jane gray one uh, was able to go to france because she won the lottery and so right. that paints her in their minds specifically i think inspector japs mind as a gambler and so right. she of course must have immense debt because she bought a lottery ticket right um which is just absurd yeah. um and then two other people of note are um Madame Giselle's confidential maid, Elise, who is instructed to burn all of Madame Giselle's papers upon the news of her death. And then we also know that she has a daughter, Anne, who inherits her wealth. Well, we should probably also mention that there's two stewards who are on the plane. Oh, yes. The stewards. Yes. Poor Henry and Albert. I think those (laughs) are their names. Yeah. Um, Henry and Albert. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought up Elise, um, the maid, because uh, at the in chapter nine is really when they go back um, to the apartment. What's her name? Giselle. Yeah, Giselle's apartment, um, the dead woman's apartment, and they're trying to just track down clues and talk to her maid, and um, they learn that the maid has been instructed that if anything happens to Giselle, that she's to destroy the papers in the safe. And the very last sentence of um, chapter nine, so this is like our cliffhanger, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they, they have just asked her if she looked at these papers before she burned them as she was instructed oh, to do. Oh, which before you say that, yeah, everybody thinks that it was the papers in the safe but it was actually hidden in an envelope in a dress pocket. So that I feel like is going to be important somehow. Important. Yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> so it goes, Elise breathed hard. She leaned forward and spoke emphatically. No, monsieur. She said, I looked at nothing. I read nothing. I burned the envelope without undoing the seal. Dun, dun, dun. Do you believe her? I don't know, man. I mean, you don't get the reputation or the title confidential maid for nothing, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't so know. I instinctively believe her. Like, I just. Yeah, I kind of do too. But my question to you is if yeah. you were Elise, would you have yeah. burned the papers without looking? Yes. Because I would have read them all. <laughs> I know you would have. No, I would, I would want nothing to do with it. I think I would. I would know that no one would believe me. Like, I think people would assume, yeah. like, given that information, anyone would look at it. But I wouldn't want to know. I would just want to be rid of it and see, be like. See, I would think, okay, well, like you said, no one's going to believe me. No matter yeah. what I do, people are going to think 
I've read it. So it's not going to protect me to have not read it. So I might as well know what's in it because otherwise the curiosity would probably kill me. I don't think the curiosity would kill me. I think I'd be more worried if I didn't, like you were saying, if I didn't have the information and it could somehow like help track down the killer or keep me safe by knowing something, I'm, that might be like, well, maybe I should know just like if there's some information I should probably know. (laughs) You know? Yeah, no, I would just want to know, like to know. I wouldn't want to do anything with the information. (laughs) I wouldn't want to tell anybody. Like I wouldn't become sort of her apprentice blackmailer, you know, I would just, and I would still burn the papers. Like I wouldn't keep them. Yeah. But I would just, I would have to read them. That would make <laughs> me so absolutely funny. have to walk. Um, we also find out, I forgot, during the inquest that um, they have a, um, a, a venom or, or poison Ooh. expert, Ooh. which I love the way that he was described. Um, uh, his name is Mr. Winterspoon. Mr. Winterspoon was a large, dreamy-looking man with a Ben- oh, I should have looked that up before I started speaking out loud with a ben- benignant expression. Because I would just say benign. Oh, it's like yeah. benign and then A-N-T. Never seen that word in my life. He looked kindly, but stupid. It came as something of a shock to learn that he was chief government analyst and an authority on bear poisons. So he lets them know that it's a South African snake that um, has a poison. So not the South American poison that they originally thought there was like a small trace of that but that what actually killed her was this african snake venom well i have to talk about this i got very excited because the snake is a boom slang Uh uh-huh and the reason i know what a boom slang is is because it's in my children's book boom slang boom slang brings bananas because it's all the animals bring um so they're all unique animals they all bring different um foods to like a picnic at the end and i was floored i have not seen boom slang anywhere anywhere in fact so i I wrote it with um my cousin well our cousin lindy and she did all the illustrations and she's the one who knows all about these animals and she came up with most of the animals in our book and so of course i i mean i didn't know anything about a boom slang and i learned a little bit with the book but um i was so excited when i actually read it in literature that's so funny oh my gosh a boom slang is in this book (laughs) so funny i know so that was one of my notes (laughs) So that is sort of a convoluted, a bit all over yeah. the place recap of the first nine chapters, a little bit of an introduction to the characters. Um, yeah. So I've already kind of read some of the quotes that I thought were funny or interesting. She just does this, um, she being Ms. Christie, you know, it's that sort of omniscient narrator Well, she'll pop in and out of people's heads and mm-hmm. she'll, you know, on the one hand um you know introduce a character not say their name because the person whose perspective you're currently viewing things from doesn't know that person's name but then a little while later she'll shift to that unknown person's perspective and you'll and reveal their name even though they haven't been introduced so i think that's fun because 
she's not revealing everything. It's not like there's no suspense or mystery and that she's telling mm-hmm. you every detail, but it keeps you from getting frustrated with one person's limited perspective. So okay. you're constantly being fed like clues without it being spelled out for you. Right. And then she also does this thing where like in the inquest, she, she just pops in like what the reporters are writing. Oh, yeah. I just think it's hysterical. You know, it's like, it's, it's (laughs) superfluous. Like it doesn't necessarily contribute anything to the plot, but it's just this funny little, um, I don't know. I think it's just so original and it adds so much charm. So it's when, um, Cecily takes the stand, um, uh, the reporters wrote Pierre's wife gives evidence in air death mystery. Some of them put in snake poison mystery. Those who wrote for women's papers put, Lady Horbury wore one of the new collegian hats and fox furs. Or, Lady Horbury, who was one of the smartest women in town, wore black with one of her new collegian hats. Or, Lady Horbury, who before her marriage was Miss Cecily Bland, was smartly dressed in black with one of the new hats. Yeah. Which just, I don't know, I just it's love the, the detail. And she just, you know, yeah. it's a murder mystery, and yet it's so charming Right. Which just makes it such, like, it's not a slog to read, you know, it's really. Yeah. Well, she has a sense of humor that comes out a lot. Mm -hmm. And so in a subject matter that could be like really tense or gory or, you know, just really dark, she keeps it very light. I think that's probably why I enjoy her books. And I mean, they're not all like that, but, you know, I think on a whole, they kind of have that, like, almost like a coziness, yeah. like a comfortableness to it. That it and just, they're so British. <laughs> it's so enjoyable. I love it. I love it. Yeah. This is the other thing that I can't remember if it has any significance or not. Okay. Um, but it's the at the end of chapter eight, Poirot is cleaning up his apartment and he picks up a copy of the paper. Um, And he turned the pages until he came to the one he sought. Two sun worshippers, it was headed, the Countess of Horbury and Mr. Raymond Barraclaw at Le Pinay. He looked at the two laughing figures in bathing suits, their arms intertwined. I wonder, said Hercule Poirot, one might do something along those lines. Yes, one might. Hmm. So just like this little... And I love the way she does that. Like she'll introduce something and then not comment on it. Like right. it's just there, like the flute in the case yeah. or the, the um, pipes in the luggage. Yeah. So again, like nobody's really drawing special attention to it, but it was, you know, Poirot's like reading through the list of everything that um, people have in their luggage. And he says, um, uh, when I figure out how to edit, maybe I can cut that out too. I, I like hearing the pages flip. It's very soothing. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I just didn't mark this page. Um, uh, Poirot gathered up the loose typewritten sheets and read them through once again. Then he laid them down with a sigh. On the face of it, he said, it seems to point very plainly to one person as having committed the crime. And yet I cannot see why or even how. Jap stared at him. Are you pretending that by reading all this stuff, you've got an idea who did it? I think so. And when you read through, it's like, yeah. what, what, uh, 
And I, I know anything that what he picked up on has nothing to do with the cocaine mm-hmm. or the, you know, pipe or the letters of debt. Like they're like too obvious, obvious, but I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, um, one of the things I really like about her just kind of building off of what you were saying is I just, I like how descriptive she is. Like you can mm-hmm. really picture things. So I find that I don't really remember the names of people, but I remember their attributes. So like, I remember that it's a dentist in a bright blue sweater. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that it's a father son, like duo that's like into archeology span <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, for even Poirot, she says that he has um, mustaches, mm-hmm. plural, which I, I thought was just so funny because then you can picture like two enormous mustaches coming <laughs> off of his face. And I feel like, you know, it makes it really come alive. You can really picture these people that you're reading. And um, I think that makes it more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so predictions. Do you have, who do you think of every, I mean, we talked about between Jane and Norman who we think did it, but who is your, who would be top of your suspect list who you would be investigating further? I mean, I don't know. And I'm scared to have you answer this because I'm afraid that you're going to. Well, I was just going to say, I'm not going to answer. Okay. Thank God. Okay. (laughs) I I think if, if we read another mystery that I haven't read and we do a similar thing. I don't even want, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you, I'll take my headphones out if you want to say it for our listeners, but I, it's, it's like, for me, you're so like, you just, you have a sense. I mean, I know you don't get them a hundred percent right, but for our whole lives, you've been able to predict the endings of things. I mean, even ones that like, like obscure ones and then the obvious ones where for me, I mean, I just, I, I think part of it is I just, I live it in the moment. Like I'm mm-hmm. not thinking ahead. Yeah. Um, but still I've just, I've never either been able to, or had the inclination to try to figure the yeah. stuff. I just and enjoy it. <laughs> whereas I'm the queen of, Oh, I bet that yes. she's going to miss and he's, and you're always and right. You're you're not or always, 99.9%. So if you just off the cuff are like, oh, I, you know, I bet it was like so or so, whatever, I would be like, oh no. And then I would be like tuned into that the whole rest of the book. <laughs> and even, I just feel like you'd probably be writing to be a little bit of a spoiler. So that's all right. Fine. I, I just, won't that's, my that's Let's, my concern. That's fine. Well, what is your prediction, Miss, in the moment? All right. <laughs> um, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, I could just as well pick a name out of the hat. All right, le- all right. Let me. I'll make myself do it. Let's see. Um, talk about something else you liked while I think about it. Um, or pose, pose, pose the question to our audience that people can comment about. Okay. Um. So, audience, uh, listeners, <laughs> dear, dear listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All one of you. Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> leave a comment, I guess, on our Instagram. Um, well, you can leave it anywhere. You can email can us. Can you leave comments on podcast posts? I never you, have. Like, I, you can leave a review, but that's not a comment. Yeah, no, don't do it there. Anyways, do it. Do it let on us Instagram. know. Yeah, Instagram, email, or Facebook. 
Okay, cool. Find us somewhere. Let us know. Uh, so, well, the, we'll just do the, uh, the question we were pondering earlier. Yeah. If you were Elise and you had been tasked with burning these super top secret papers unopened, would you have done that or would you have read them first? Are you yes. an Abby or a Hannah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Let us know. I'm very curious to know. Um, oh, and I know who I, I think did it. Um, it's the woman who switched seats with her Kilparo. Mm. That's, uh, is she the horse face one? Yes, she is. Okay. Yeah. Horsey face. That's. <laughs> All right. That's my prediction. So Abby's prediction is horsey face. Hannah abstains from yes. predicting. I, I'm really loving this though, because, you know, there's so many of her books. I think we were talking about this in our last episode that, um, I remember really vividly. Yeah. And so it's fun to read a book that I have such positive memories of. And yet I found as I'm reading it, like I don't remember a lot of the details. So it's not like all coming back to me yet, which is kind of fun because it's almost like reading it, you know, for the first time in a way. Because I, I, I don't great. have that experience with a lot of her books since I've read, you know, so many of them. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And actually, so I, w- I was thinking about this as we were talking, um, that if there's things that in future books that we read that you remember is like important, mm-hmm. don't know. No words. Know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got it. Jeez. But you know what I'll do? Yeah. I will say, oh, there was something in this chapter that I know is going to turn out to be important. Did you spot it? You're like that annoying person. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can see you just being, like, real innocent, right? Like, oh, you know, you know, she mentioned this one little detail. I don't know if it's important or not, but, you know, <laughs> did you notice no. that? <laughs> yeah, actually, I wouldn't put it past myself. That uh, you and see, you could get away with it because you could do it deadpan. That's my, that's my acting degree for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I will not. I will be respectful. Any details I have pointed out in this first section are just what stood out to me upon this read, yes. and I can't say for certainty that they are not associated with the memory. But sure. I certainly did not intentionally uh draw awareness to something that i remember being particularly yeah well you know it's so funny so it's like we're we're we spoil what we've already read but it's like we're spoiler free for the rest of it like we're not gonna sure. spoil the ending in <laughs> the beginning <laughs> yeah it's not it's not spoiler podcast. right um, oh yeah so that's the first third of death in the air so far yeah thoughts are thoroughly enjoyed it Yes, same. And I'm very eager to get back into the next section. So we're going to read nine more chapters. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to it. I am really enjoying this one. Yeah, I had a hard time stopping at chapter nine. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, once we hang up the Zoom call, we'll go, <laughs> I'll go read the next section. <laughs> get back into it. <laughs> I think this will be fun though, like, you know, chronicling it in pieces to see like, you know, what are, what are thoughts, um, as we go along? Cause normally mm-hmm. I just literally read the whole Agatha Christie at once, you know, sure. and I'll read it pretty quickly. And, um, and I read a lot of books, but I, I never analyze them like this. Like I don't, I don't really discuss it in pieces. So mm-hmm. this is really a fun exercise, um, to go through it and talk about it this way. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Cool. 
Cool, cool. <laughs> You're supposed to say same. Oh yeah, same. Totally. I yeah. Mm-hmm. That's ex- you took the words right out of my mouth, and yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I must have lost those pages of our script. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Never leave a man behind <laughs> or a woman. I was saying that to my kids the other day. They were like running around the yard, and one of them fell down. I, they were, you know, not hurt or anything. Right, but because <laughs> let me be clear, they fall down. yes. And so then the other one, the older one, you know, runs away, and I go, "Never leave a man behind." <laughs> and I, I was shocked. He ran back to go get Aww, his brother. It was big. So cute. sweet. Good big brother. <laughs> That was so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up for this episode, um, mm-hmm. do you have any recommendations of other things that, that someone might enjoy as we are? I mean, I, I'm kind of assuming that when we release these, we'll still be in some semblance of lockdown. So if people are looking for something oh, that's else to true. explore. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, I do have a recommendation. Funny you should ask. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we did talk about this beforehand. <laughs> we'll let you behind the curtain see the behind the scenes podcast magic. This is not sponsored. <laughs> this is how the magic happens. <laughs> Although I did try to make it sound, you know. Well, I, I'm sorry. I couldn't commit. I just, I, I just broke down. Like, I tried sort of dear listeners guess which one of us has a theatrical background <laughs> um all right well my recommendation um is an author that i recently um started reading and i've listened to a couple of her books on audiobook which is great because she writes um irish books and so all the narrators of Irish accents, which is lovely. And then I read my first like hard copy version the other day. So her name is Maeve Binchy, and she is a prolific author. I mean, I, it will take me years to read all of her books. She has a ton. I think I've read like four. And this last one I read um, is called Evening Class. And she's done this in a few of the books I've read. I don't know if she does this every time. Um, I'd be curious because I plan on reading all of her books Uh someday. Um, But what she does is really cool is she has a lot of characters and each chapter is one of those characters perspective. Oh, okay. But they all weave in together. And so you hear about these other characters from the perspective of each of them. And it all weaves the whole, so you start putting the pieces together and at the same time, the story is progressing. So you start at one point in time and you end, you know, a few months later or whatever it is. Interesting. So this last one, evening class, basically is about all these participants in this evening class to learn Italian. Hmm. And so it's just how it comes about. And I, I just it's such a gripping um story because she gets you really invested in the characters you want to know 
more about them. You also want to know how they tie into each other and how they meet each other. And it's all very organic. Like, even though I think at the end, it, it almost feels a little contrived. Like, like you know, they're all going to interact sure. in some way, but the way she does it, you know, it's, it's a friend of a friend or a brother or a cousin or, you know, it's very, very neat. And then it's um, just a very engaging um, plot. Um, even though it's like simple about this Italian class, she just weaves in like these backstories about these characters and, you know, their life stories. So you get really invested of, you know, are, is this relationship going to work or is, you know, this person going to be okay or, you know, whatever it ends up being. So cool. um, Maeve Binchy, highly recommend her. And could, could you do me a favor, Abby? Could you spell that for our listeners? Oh, you know, I knew you were going to ask me to do that. Well, you know, because yes. here's, here's my thing. This happens all the time. Somebody will recommend something on a podcast. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's awesome. And then I go to look it up and I'm like, I don't know how to spell that. I mean, I suppose yeah. I could look up evening class and Maeve is a fairly, is a common enough name, but. Um, well, you know, I, but I think that, I mean, that is a good note because I, um, I feel the same way where, you know, you'll be hearing something and you don't catch it and you're not, and things are spelled wonky, you know, especially a name. You don't know how that's spelled. Um, So what we'll also do is in the um, podcast notes and on social media is we'll write the recs too. So you can go and look at it, but it is spelled M as in Mary, A, E, V as in Victor, E, and then Binchy is B as in boy, I, N is in Nancy, C H Y. Binchy. I would have put an E between the C H and the Y. That's well, I that's why I had it. the reaction I did because I couldn't remember if it had an E or not. <laughs> cool. That sounds really interesting. What about you? Do you have a rec for us? Sure. Yep. Why not? Um, so <laughs> I. Shocker. Yeah. Um, so I have a um, podcast that I, that I just discovered that I think is really interesting. They just started their second season. Um, it's called I Spy um, from the Foreign Policy Network, I guess. Can um, you spell it for us? No, um, so it's the letter <laughs> I and then it's S-P-Y. Um, anywho, it's a like a true spy podcast where they interview like four, oh. uh, former agents of different, um, you know, uh, undercover uh, agencies. There's another name for that, but I'm blanking on what it is. Anywho, they're they're recounting either a specific mission or just part of their um, spy craft. Like there was one, um, it was an interview with. Um, the woman who used to be the head of disguise at the CIA um, talking about one of her early missions. And it's just really fascinating. Um, I've always been really drawn to spy craft and just that world. And I would certainly never cut it in the CIA or anything like that, but I just think it's really fascinating and I love spy movies. And, um, and so getting to hear from actual real life people who have lived um, in that world and kind of um, sharing their perspectives as they look back on their careers. It's just really cool. Well, I just, I remembered something before we go. Um, I think ultimately we can do this at the beginning of the episode, but since we're figuring things out, um, 
when we're talking about like redacting things, not redacting, um, whatever. Um, so last week we talked about, um, the silly tapes that we did and we were, um, kind of musing like, like, did our parents find it funny or not? Oh yeah. And I asked mom. Oh, (laughs) what did she say? So she said it was a little bit of both. She's like, some of it was genuinely funny and some of it was, we were so cute that <laughs> they, were, they thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Porter back, you know, did my yeah. fact checking. <laughs> <laughs> that journalistic integrity. I know, right? <laughs> Well, this is fun. I look forward to discussing the next nine chapters with you next week. Yes. And until then, you can check us out on uh, Instagram Mm -hmm. at September Sisters Pod. Pod. Um, Send us an email if you have. No, I think Instagram's just September Sisters. Oh, is it? Man, we were were going to figure this out last time. This is going to be our bit. (laughs) <laughs> that our sign-off is just always going to be awesome. No, you're right. You're right. So Instagram is September Sisters Pod. Yeah, yeah we should we should like type this up and have like notes. <laughs> this is so unprofessional. September Sisters Pod, and then Facebook is something else. Is I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll find, find us. us. You'll find us. It's not. It's not that hard. <laughs> but you know, now that we're underway at this book, we'd love to. Well, okay, so. This is this is what I we need to chat about this off mic. Um, okay. But anyways, if you have suggestions for other books that we can read or other things you'd like to hear oh, us discuss, yes. drop us a line. Let us know. We'd love to uh, hear. I love that we're talking as if there are people listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> the people listen. <laughs> oh man, we love you all. We know yeah. you're here for us. <laughs> Um, actually, so we should recap. So yeah, so find us on Instagram, Facebook. You can also email us at September sisters pod at gmail.com. We want to know if you were Elise, would you have looked at the letters or would you have burned them sight unseen? And Hannah said, we would love to know if you have any suggestions. So if there's a book that you would like to read along with us and here are absolutely thrilling thoughts on it if there's if there's things you just want to know about us uh we'll think about answering those and (laughs) (laughs) yeah drop us a line hit us up slide into our dms oh my gosh don't tell people to do that (laughs) i don't want people in my dms we all know i'll be the one doing the dming (laughs) oh yeah just as you know just as a heads up, if you interact with someone from an official September Sisters account, it's probably Abby. It probably is. Unless it's short <laughs> and sarcastic, in which case it was probably me. Yeah, that's 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 a very valid point. So yes, so do do all the things. We thank you so much for listening to our second episode, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Bye! Bye!